Terry for breakfast on Triple M. Time for this. Shut up. The on Triple M. For McDonald's, Triple M rocks footy. We're into round 14 and the action kicked off last night. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but we welcome in Daniel Rowdy Hobley. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, T. Very good morning to you, mate, and your listeners here on Triple M, mate. Good to be with you. Last night it kicked off round 14. Richmond took on Carlton and a big win to the Tigers. Getting up last night, 11-15-81 to 9-12-66. The Tigers by 15 points. They got out to a good lead. Carlton tried to peg them back, but just couldn't get close enough. No, and I think it was always pretty obvious in that second half that, you know, Richmond seemed to have that extra gear. They've been there before. They've won premierships. They've won the big moments. And just seemed to me that they always had that extra gear to go to to keep Carlton at bay. So... I think the result was reasonably fitting, Terry. In the end, Carlton 9-12 going down to Richmond 11 goals 15. They did challenge midway and through that last quarter, but I think they certainly lacked a match-up there for Lynch um, with a back line that's obviously severely injury-depleted with um, Durden coming in, Sam Durden coming in off the uh, that mid-season um, recruiting process. So um, it was good to see him have a run around with Carlton last night. Um, I thought Mackay was good for the Blues, kicking four up forward. Hewitt, again, um, playing some great football. Um, and I think he was in one of their better players there for Carlton. But in the end, Richmond, without Dustin Martin, keep winning. And um, they're certainly uh, putting those above them in the eight on notice. Yeah, so disappointing loss there for Carlton. But on the other side of the coin, Richmond stay in the hunt. They're in touch with the sides in the top eight. So I saw last week at three-quarter time, Michael Voss, the coach of the Blues, gave his side an absolute roasting on the park. I can only imagine what would have happened last night after a disappointing loss to Richmond. Yeah, well, I think Voss is in a situation of where he's moulding a, a list um, that you know clearly has gone past the mediocrity stage, and Voss would be probably just pleading with his players. He spoke a lot with a lot of press conferences about the process, so I think there would have been a number of players potentially going away from that process. And Voss seems to be very structured um, and driven, and making sure that you get the process and you, you all attack it as one. So where Carlton have fallen over in the past is when they've become too individual, and that has you know been the outlier of their poor results. So. I would say that would be the reason that Voss was getting um, that spray, potentially. And they were leading by 28 points. You still gave them a roasting. So clearly things are are on the change. Clearly things are changing there at the Carlton Football Club. Now, Dan, let's go to the game. West Coast and Geelong tomorrow at Optus Stadium. Bounce down is at 2.35. A big celebration tomorrow for the West Coast because they're celebrating 30 years since that breakthrough premiership in 1992. Seven changes for the Eagles this week. Yeah, seven changes. And, of course, um, you know, our thoughts with Peter Matera, who suffered a heart attack only a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully um, he's in good health back there in Victoria. Um, I don't think he's attending the actual 92 Premiership reunion. So um, that's from my understanding. I could be incorrect. But obviously it was a massive, massive moment. Uh, the most significant moment from any club, I think, when it's come to making the competition finalise at the AFL, of course. The year prior to that, the West Coast Eagles went down um, to Hawthorne um, in that grand final in 91. And then they obviously got the job done in 92 against a powerful Geelong outfit. So it should be a fitting game at the West Coast Eagles for this contest. Get Rhett Bazzo in for debut. Um, plenty of big names to come back. McGovern, Willie Rioli, Dom Sheed, Elliot Yo, some of those. 
uh, Greg Clark's been omitted. I don't really like that. I think they need to keep playing him and playing him as a midfielder. He's been playing on the wing, and it's ridiculous. He's a premiership player for Subiaco. You've got to play him in the middle. Cats get back in. Sam Manangola. Um, look, they. Um, I think they're a good side, Geelong. They should win, but, you know, funny things have happened. Um, the Eagles are probably due for some luck. You just never know. Big game for West Coast tomorrow. Big occasion there with the 30th anniversary. Now, Dan, let's just get some tips for the other games, some quick tips there. St Kilda, Essendon. Oh, St Kilda. Yeah, quite easily there. Port Adelaide, Sydney. Yeah, it's a massive game. I think I'm going to go for the Sydney Swans. Port Adelaide, I don't, just try, I don't trust enough, so Sydney for me. GWS, Western Bulldogs. Yeah, huge game for GWS. Um, I think they can win, um, but there's two sides that you can't trust, so the GWS just. And Gold Coast Suns taking on the Adelaide Crows. Well, these are the games that the Gold Coast Suns need to win, and they usually get rolled. So I'm going to go for the Adelaide Crows and upset the Gold Coast Suns um, in these later stages of the season. seem to drop these games, and I reckon they'll get beaten by Adelaide. And buys this week for the Brisbane Lions, Collingwood, North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Fremantle and Melbourne. Now, Dan, big story during the week. Bailey Smith from the Western Bulldogs has uh, copped his punishment. Two-match suspension by the AFL for conduct unbecoming. Yeah, pretty soft, I think. Um, yeah, I think, the, I think this is where we've got to be very, very careful of where we make the links between a mental health issue and a, and a genuine you know, being caught out for actually using illicit drugs. So, um, look, I, I don't know Bailey Smith and I'm not close to him, um, but I think we really do have to be careful where we protect people that are going through genuine mental health issues. Um, and not to say that Bailey isn't going to a point, but I also don't think that it's going to be appropriate going forward. We need to be very, very careful where we can draw the boundary between people being truthful about the mental health challenges that they face slash um, whether they've just been caught out for drug use and potentially, you know, they're using that as a bit of a cover. Um, I think um, the AFL to a point has had players probably in the past, I'm certainly not going to name them, um, that have probably been in positions where they probably have gone with the mental health um, um, attribute as opposed to, you know, recognising that they have done the wrong thing. Um, I think that can be disrespectful to players that are going through and genuine mental health issues. So you know what the Bailey Smith one is, you know, one to be tossed up for argument, but um, I think it was a pretty soft to give him two weeks. We only go back as far as the treatment of Willarioli um, in the past two seasons. I appreciate there was a urine sample that was involved in that, but I do find it strange how the Eastern States media put their arm around Bailey Smith and they were pretty quick to forget about Willarioli um, for two years. Yeah, that dragged on for just far too long, the Rioli incident. Now, you compare this to Justin Charles, who played for Richmond back in the 90s. He was suspended for 16 matches for taking a banned substance, anabolic steroid, Boldenone, in 1997. So, in comparison, Smith got off fairly lightly. Oh, massively. And this is the thing. You know, I remember Justin Charles. That was when Ross Oakley was in charge of the AFL before Wayne Jackson came on board and I remember that case very, very well. Justin Charles is a very promising ruckman, come forward there at the Richmond Tigers in the mid to late 90s, or mid-90s, I should say. That was a massive case, and he was dealt with then and dealt with severely. So, look, I think Bailey Smith's got form. Um, and as I said, there's been plenty of players that have had form in the past that have been you know, dealt with pretty harshly. Um, I was actually, again, it's not about me having a crack at Bailey Smith. I was just in disbelief um, when I heard it was only two weeks. Um, he's obviously been done for two weeks for the head of Zach Tui a couple of weeks prior to that. Um, 
But certainly he's becoming a player that doesn't seem to be keeping himself out of the headlines. Um, and we know with the Dugowie situation, um, you know, it's amazing to see him on an AFL list still. So, you know, like I say, I mean, you want to be, you want to be, you know, not biased as a sports reporter and you want to keep things in hand. But I still think there is a, it seems to be a clear um, direct difference between a way a player that is high profile is treated on the East Coast by the media um, and by certain um, fractions of the AFL compared to what happens to an interstate player from either West Australia or Adelaide, it's, it's pretty blatant. Um, and I'm happy to put my hand up and say that because I believe it's the truth. The thoughts of Rowdy Hobley here on Triple M. Now, Dan, we're moving across to netball and some serious concerns for the viability of Netball Australia. We're hearing that there's been losses and debts. We're hearing there's losses and debts amounting to $11 million. Well, Terry, we we um, spoke about this the other night, and and you rightfully, um, you know, spotted a, a crack there in Netball Australia and and brought it up, and we spoke about it, and um, and well done to you too, mate, because you know Netball Australia is reportedly on the brink of a the collapse. Their talk is that they're owing over eleven million bucks after experiencing, you know, obviously a massive, um, you know, massive um, rough time there when COVID arrived. Um, you know, according to the report, whoever's done this report actually hasn't been named who's actually completed it. They haven't paired a name to who actually has done it. But Nepal Australia, from this report, has apparently, from my understanding, lost $7.2 million over the past two years and has bank debts of approximately $4 million. So the debts are due to be paid next year, uh, being 2023. Um, and insiders believe that the major turning point was when Nepal Australia decided to turn their back on the Trans-Tasman competition, which involved a couple of sides over there from New Zealand. So that would have been under the uh, old caucus there of the Netball Australia CEO there in Kate Palmer. Of course, she's not in charge anymore with Netball Australia now being led by their current CEO in Kelly Ryan. But um, apparently from that deal, when they got rid of those New Zealand sides, so they didn't rate, apparently, um, that cost $3 million, $3 million, which was poured in by Sky New Zealand for their media corporation to have those yeah. New Zealand sides in. So... Look, it's a mess, but on the other side of things, I'm backing the current CEO there in Kelly Ryan to shake things up and get the finances back in order. I still believe that the state governments across Australia and the federal government um, for these harsh times have a responsibility to yeah. um, look after these clubs so they can survive and look after the associations because we only nearly lost the NBL probably 10 years ago. You don't yeah. need to be losing the no, highest no, form no. of netball. Not at all. The thoughts of Rowdy Hobley here on Triple M. Looking forward to having you back tomorrow for the Wheat Belt Sports Show. On your Rowdy. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers.